to Mastering Mitzvahs. Mastering Mitzvahs, a podcast focused on creating the perfect bar and bat mitzvah celebration, offering tips, tricks, and trends to ensure an amazing event. Mastering Mitzvahs, from New Jersey's own explosive entertainment. Explosive entertainment. I know you're going to dig this. And here they are. Your hosts, Jordan Marshall and Mike Langser. All right, Mastering Mitzvahs, episode 50. Man, we hit the uh, golden notes so far, 50. I, I don't know if I should actually celebrate at 50 or we should be celebrating when we hit 52 and actually uh, declare that we've done a full year. But today's a little bit different because Jordan is not here. He's in Las Vegas at a conference uh, teaching to the industry. And then I've got my partner, Dylan, on the line. So Dylan, uh, Congrats, you made it on episode 50 now. Uh, I, feel, uh, I feel honored. I feel like I'm a part of this thing now. I mean, I think I was on 25 as well, and then I was on like 18, which is cool because of the, you know, the number. So I'm just making that up. I actually don't – I have no idea. What, what I have no idea which episodes you're on. But this is what, your fourth appearance, I think? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We did one as without being partners, which was kind of crazy to think too. Yeah, we kind of knew it was coming. um this is your topic so why don't you introduce the topic to the listeners yeah so i had a very interesting conversation with a brand new family that we're working with and she asked and and the the mother of the bat mitzvah girl says what are some of the mistakes and they're probably two and a half years out now and they go what are some of the mistakes that bar and bat mitzvah moms and dads make when going through the process. And I thought, wow, what a great topic. And I said, hold on, you got to give me a second. I texted, you know, you guys, you know, I texted Jordan and Mike in, in a group chat we have. And I said, new topic, got to do this. And I started writing down all my ideas. And I think it's going to make a really cool blog article. I think it'll make a really good uh, podcast topic. But today we're going to talk about, um, I think both of us have, you know, a list of five or so. And it's going to be more open format, but we're going to talk about the top things that, uh, Bar and Bat Mitzvah moms and dads or families or the planners of these events make mistakes on. And some of them are going to seem super silly and others are going to be like an aha moment. But I think that these are actual tangible takeaways that you can use instantly for your next event, uh, especially in the Bar and Bat Mitzvah uh, process. Now, I know that we have listeners who are either starting to get into the Bar and Bat Mitzvah as terms of professionals, uh, but I think that these tips actually transcend all events so i think that's a cool piece excellent well uh first off i was giving you credit for the idea so i should actually give the credit to the family that presented the idea but <laughs> let, let, let's jump into it um i have five items listed here in no particular order so i'm gonna give you my first and again in no particular order and then let's just chat a couple minutes on it and then uh, you hit your first so I think that you should start with your number two, because I think that that's a big deal. And we've talked about it on the show before, but give it its justice and let that be the first one we talk about. Okay, so straight up. Number two, I, I put not having videography. Um, I do hear clients say, you know, I really wish I did hire a videographer. Um, even budgetary, I wish I had even the raw footage. I hear that. Um, and I'll use my own wedding as an example. I almost didn't do video. I just didn't think it was necessary. My wife convinced me to do it. And we watched the video and used the video so much more than the photos. Not to dis- discredit the photos, but, uh, you know, I, I, 
everybody at my wedding was talking about how cute my grandmother was dancing in the mirror by herself. And I'm thinking to myself, my grandmother can't barely walk. What do you mean dancing? And a photo wouldn't have done it the justice that the video capture did. So that's a memory I'll have my grandmother now forever that I didn't ever see with my own two eyes until watching the video. Yeah, I think that if you understand that the video is going to capture the personality of the party way more than uh, a photo would, you'll understand the dynamic of having both. I think another reason to have it is knowing full well that videographers nowadays are doing more cinematic feature films. They're not really doing the long, drawn-out, you know, 100-minute recap of everything in raw time what they're really doing is they're creating a move about your event and they're doing it in ways of like a, a 60 second instagram post and then a uh three minute facebook uh edit and then they're doing it in like a 10 minute you know full recap and then obviously they'll throw in like some of the bigger items in raw in raw detail but you know i just got married in september and our videographer did all three of those things. So we were able to get a quick edit that we were able to post to our friends and be excited with them on the social media side. But then also knowing full well that I have my grandparents dancing in full with me at my wedding is translatable to the mitzvah world as well. So not having video videography, you're missing an option to capture the personality of the celebration. And I think that's big, especially because you're memorializing and internalizing everyone in that age in that time frame in that special moment you'll right. always have your daughter or your son at that 12 13 year old mark in real time so and and i mean just to throw it out there uh, i've seen people as little as you know hiring a you know 500 videographer that they find on craigslist you know just to come and shoot and then of course people spend you know upwards five six thousand dollars and have some of the most incredible videos but I would say, you know, something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go into one of my lists. Um, I want to talk about the five hour party. Okay. So the, this was the very first thing that the family start. And I talked about when they brought up the topic uh, and in the Pennsylvania area, a lot of the really, really nice venues are known for doing awesome weddings and weddings for the most part are five hour celebrations no ifs, ands, or buts. What I'm finding is that families who book the venue first buy the five-hour package because that's what they were offered and then realize about six weeks before their celebration that they're going to have, you know, two hours of dance time at the end based on the way that the catering schedule uh, works out. And, you know, I advise against that when we start doing our coordination and it really comes down to the fact that they didn't know that a five-hour party for bar and mitzvahs are sort of outdated. They're really not happening anymore. Some of the best events that we're having are the four or four and a half ones, four-hour ones, because really what's happening is they're ending on a really high-energy note. They're doing a 45-minute cocktail, and then they're doing you know all their formalities in 45 minutes, and then they're banging out really high-energy sets towards the end of it. And I think it comes down to knowing your family. I've had a couple families who um, knew and they told me, they're like, listen, we're, our family's you know, a lot older, we're a lot more low energy, or we're having an afternoon luncheon and we're kind of looking for that luncheon vibe, yet they have a five-hour package. And that's a lot so, of time. So I, I forget if it was our last podcast or two podcasts ago, Jordan and I uh, spent the whole 30 minutes just on this topic. And I, you and I could probably debate it back and forth also for 30 minutes or so. Um, interestingly here on the Jersey side, 
five hours is most common. Uh, four hours is very rare. Um, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the first thing that you said is you mentioned the venue. So if the venue is accustomed to doing mitzvahs, you know, and they space out the timing accordingly, five hours makes sense. If they're not accustomed to mitzvahs and they don't space it out right, you're, you're absolutely right in my opinion. And this, this is all opinion based. Which is why it brings us to our next topic. Well, let's not get there just yet. But the, because, because on my list, number five was also the length of the time of the party. So I, I'm with you. You and I agree on this one. But the family needs to know, like we spoke in the last podcast, is are we doing a 30-minute candle lighting? And, and realistically, you know, 13 or 14 candles times two minutes each, almost 30 minutes. Is there, you know, long speeches, long montage? We were, we were actually, Dylan, we were testing a montage just the other day here in the office. It was 17 minutes long. Um, that's long. I mean, like. Yeah. Especially if it's just photos. Yeah. Like. You know, the montages, and that's not on our list, but that's a, a quick hit bonus takeaway. Um, the length of the montage. I mean, if you're going to have awesome live video and you're going to have, um, you know, footage of the first steps and that kind of thing, which is more and more common nowadays, um, understand that your montage, anything over 12 minutes should be very cinematic and very entertaining. Some of the best montages I've ever seen have been 15 plus minutes, but it's because they had a videographer or a, or a video studio truly go through it and make it a cinematic feature as opposed to just a slideshow photo set to music. Right, right. The attention span on people these days is horrible. So to keep them focused, it's got to be interesting. So, so let's, let's not kill this four versus five hour topic, but the point is for the listeners to make sure you know what your expectations are and, and you know dylan contrary to what you had said i do want to say some people say my party blew by so quickly i really wish i had five hours so we're not going to leave this topic with a definite right or wrong but oh i yeah i agree i've had i've had kick-ass five hours and i've had five hours that i've drawn out and i've had kick-ass four hours and i've had four hours that you know needed more time and they would have benefited from a five hour um but I think the really big key to that is the of the food. I explain it to families like this, and this is one of the one of the five that I wrote down on my list, is the timing of the food is is everything. If you're gonna have multiple plated courses and a buffet for kids, I think that it's really important to space out the timing and know that unlike a wedding where you eat all at one shot and then dance the rest of the time more like an, a, a bar setting a bar about mitzvah has different age groups you have you know younger kids like cousins then you have the 13 year old pocket and then you have the parent age pocket and then you have the grandparent age pocket so theoretically you could have three gen or three to four generations at an event all of which have different needs so your entertainment company in the most cases are prepared to satisfy all of those needs but if you have everyone eat all at one time your party takes a very very big downtime and then it takes everything to get them back up and then you blow through energy fast so the five-hour parties that drag are the ones who serve food all at once in the very beginning yep you know right after right after the whole row we're gonna do all three courses and then say all right you got two and a half hours to dance that's your state man you guys are crazy over there in pa 
I'm sorry, dude, but I know whenever I'm driving over the bridge, I, I got a fight to head my way with uh, food timing. Well, so something that I do uh, that has served me well is I understand that this exists. And I explain it like this to both the family and the caterer and the venue. I say, listen, we are in this together. We have to work together. I don't want your food to come out incorrectly. Like, I don't want it to be cold. I don't want it to be raw. I don't want it to be wrong. So I say, listen, we have 13-year-olds that will destroy your bathroom if I don't keep them busy. And we have parents who are going to enjoy the bar to their fullest. They're going to be hungry. And they're going to need that to soak up the libation. I want to create a great celebration, but here's how we can do it. And I give them the outline and I tell them how it benefits them. Like, hey, listen, during this time, I'll get everyone up and dancing. You'll be able to clear all the salad plates. And because you're clearing all the salad plates, no one will see your staff and then they'll come back and it'll be a beautiful table again. So I, I make it to their benefit to work with me on my timing because I'm the one that's controlling when people eat, when people dance, when people sing, when people are up, when people are down. And if I ever get pushed back, I say, listen, my job is to control the crowd and create a great celebration on the dance floor. I need your help to do that. And some of them are like, some of them give me the point where it's like, yep, yeah, absolutely. You have to, you have to do that. Uh, I don't want to have to deal with the kids. You deal with the kids. So when you frame it in a way of collaboration, I think it goes a long way. Um, the five-hour parties that drag are the ones that serve food incorrectly. The ones that have great food layer service with dance time in between courses are the ones who can do four-hour parties or five-hour parties, and it'll be kick-ass either way. Got it. Let's move on to the next topic, my friend. Um, now I want to do my number one. Is it my turn or is it your turn? It's your turn. You can, it's your turn. Thanks, man. You're such a gentleman. Um, I wrote down venue if it has difficult logistics. So let me explain. Um, most clients love their venue. And in many cases, you know, what worked well for the first child works well for the second. And it's kind of a re repeat. But I've seen a lot of families who try too hard to think out of the box for the first time round and almost regret it. You know, the first time round, maybe they book at a you know barn or they want to do it at their house in a tent or they want to go to a sports complex. They regret it often because the, the amount of extra effort that's put in. All of a sudden they have to rent tables and chairs. They have to worry about the weather. They have to you know, bring in outside caterers or they have to interview outside caterers. I, I mean, there's so many different elements that are way harder than just going to a facility that's built for events. I mean, you go to any banquet facility, any country club, any hotel, tables and chairs aren't even a worry. They're there. You know, salt and uh, pepper shakers are there. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about air conditioning. You don't have to think about are the lights dimmable. You know, uh, you don't have to think about what if it's too hot or too cold. So, uh, you know, non-traditional venues are amazing, but super and they're becoming super more and more popular. We're doing the yeah. date. I'm doing like survivor themed day camp style color war events for mitzvahs now, and you're yeah. right. Like, there are things that families aren't thinking about. I had a conversation literally this morning about a family who's doing this color war themed event for a camp themed uh, bar mitzvah and they don't have coat racks. 
And I said, we need to get coat racks. Like yeah. these are things that you don't even think about. So I think it comes with collaboration with the event professionals and knowing that if you're going to do one of these specialty venues, they may not know what they need to host these events, especially if they've never done one. Well, that, so, so that's really where you need an event planner. Now, shout out to the event planners. You hire a good event planner, you could pull off an event anywhere. And the event planner will think this through and think, yeah, I need to coat racks. I need a coat check attendant. I need valet. I need a shuttle to and from. Whatever it is, the a event planner, I should say an experienced event planner, will run through these logistics and, and totally support you. So maybe that is my bonus tip today is, you know, I regret, you know, one of my top five regrets is not hiring an event planner. Uh, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, how are the centerpieces getting to the venue or getting set up at the venue, or maybe even how are they getting home after the event? You know, uh, if you book that non-traditional space, maybe it's a gym or a camp, like you said, you may not have the luxury to come back the next day and pick the items up or drop them off. So who's doing that for you? So uh, these, these items really fall in, in place together on the difficult logistics. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about one that I don't know why it's still popular. It's something that every single family who does it tells me that they regret doing it. Why is the candy, the open candy bowl on tables and cocktail highs still a thing? I don't see that often at all, actually. I see it like every other weekend where it's like an open bowl of M&Ms or Hershey Kisses or like little basketball style chocolates. Like they have basketball themed wrapping on them. All right. So let me stop you for just a second. Where are you seeing this? Are you seeing this at venues that specialize in mitzvahs? Yeah. Um, well, it's part of the decor. See, and now that to me, just like I just talked about a a good planner to me, and I, I, I hate to put down any planner that's listening to this, but to me, a, a good planner is going to say, I can't put open candies out because the kids are going to throw them all over the place. They're going to end up all over the floor. And, and a venue, if they're told in advance, hey, I want to bring all these basketball chocolates, a venue experience in mitzvah should say, whoa, 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 that's uh, opening the door for a huge problem. Yeah, uh, that's really not the case yet in – Philadelphia. I see it probably every other event, if not more than that, every two out of three. Wow. Where there's an open jar of candy in some capacity, whether it's like a blue and green color scheme. So you have blue and green M&Ms or, you know, you have the basketball looking chocolates and it's all like in the attempt of matching the theme or the color scheme. And I just think that there are better ways to do it for that exact reason of avoiding the mess avoiding the, oh my goodness, my, uh, my testosterone level is unbalanced because I'm 13. I'm going to take the chocolate and throw it at someone else. Like these right. are challenges that we face right. at 13. So, so I, I, I'm, I didn't know what you meant when you wrote that down. I, I, I actually thought you meant, you know, a candy buffet at the end of the party. And I couldn't understand why you wrote it down. And, um, and, and, you know, that's not, in my opinion, a regret. I mean, so many families have an amazing candy buffet at the end of the night. It well, certainly doesn't make a huge mess, but but it's at the it's at the end of the night, and the best run candy stations like the Go Candy Bars have a dedicated attendant to yep. help guide through it. Yep. Um, wow, dude, I didn't realize how different Pennsylvania and Jersey are. 
I never thought there was a difference either because I thought we, like you and I or me and Explosive, our products are so similar that it was a seamless transition. Like you've come and done events with me and you're like, this is exactly what we do in right. Jersey. Um, but some of these little nuances like candy bowls on tables, it's still a problem. I think three weeks ago you were here in Jersey doing a party where there's candy on the tables. It's not a fair comparison. <laughs> uh, well, so no, like, cause this one was a 75 person only kid party. But was there candy on the tables? There was not candy on the tables. Thank you. Point made. Let's move on. <laughs> so um, you started talking about the dessert uh, or rather the candy station. And one of the things that I wrote was dessert slash ghost stations in my list. Okay. So outside of having like open candy jars the whole time, the dessert and go station has to be handled with tact, poise, professionalism, and appropriate timing. So if you're going to do something like uh, a, a candy bar at the end, I think that a couple tricks of how to make it work well are things like having an attendant to help it run, but also knowing that it should be dedicated. You should know, is it going to be a dessert station or is it going to be a to-go station? If it's going to be a to-go station, like I see that really, really uh, often, where there's like soft pretzels and water ice, or there's, um, you know, candy to go with bags, there's cake to go in bags. That should be, in my opinion, the last touch point. The last thing you do before you get your keys from the valet. Otherwise, it derails the last bit of dessert when it's put out. Because in a lot of cases, those go stations are put out about an hour before the celebration concludes, 45 minutes as the party starts to condense. I've seen ghost stations ruin the end of events. And I, I I'm trying to formulate my thought and I think you're getting where I'm at. I, I get exactly where you're at. The, the, what I would like to offer as my tip on this topic is if you're doing it to ghost station, literally make it the last step out of the door. It's like- Yeah, that's what I meant, last touch point. In the vestibule as you're walking out or- if your party's on the second floor, you have to walk down a flight of steps to get to the exit where the valet is. And just before you hit the valet, that's where there's, oh my God, there's waters to go or there's donuts to go. Because what you're saying makes great sense. If this item is introduced 20 or 30 minutes before the end in the main room, all of a sudden it's a huge distraction. And yeah. you said derailed. I, I think that's a, a sharp term, but it makes great sense. Um, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, everyone's rushing to get their sweatshirt or they're rushing to get their water bottle or they're rushing to get this pretzel. And, you know, your job as an entertainer is to keep the vibe and the flow going for the next 15 minutes. And now you're up against, you know, the world's coolest sweatshirts. You know, you're up against this amazing, you know, Philly cheesesteak bar. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. So with the go stations, um, if it's truly meant to be a part of dessert, it's different. But if so the intention was... dessert then. Yeah, you dessert. And we account for uh, a natural valley in the party when dessert rolls around. We, we account for that. And we know how to get the crowd back engaged after yeah. their quick, you know, bite of dessert. But when, we, when we're challenged with a ghost station and dessert, that's when it becomes a little bit more um, of, of, a, of a battle. So that's something that I've heard families say, I wish we hadn't put our sweatshirts out in the main room. Right. You know, it's funny that this podcast can bring us in so many different directions. You know, you're prompting me now to think about 
something that I hear more in Pennsylvania than I do in Jersey, but it did happen to me a couple weeks ago in Jersey. Um, and it's, it's similar in conversation, but when a family calls a party to go to, let's say 1130, but has the kids picked up at 11, um, really what's going to happen in that next 30 minutes is guests are just dwindling out. Like the, the energy is gone, you know, or, or I've had parents deliberately explain to me that we want to have an after party. And I put that in quotes yep. where the family is a party animal family. They yep. know that there's going to be segmentation between adult and kid music. So when they had the kids picked up, then it's time to turn it to 11 and 12 and 13 on the dial. And now we're doing something a little bit more old school or we're doing more disco. Or we're doing something more for the adults and, and we're catering in that direction. Have you seen it successful though? Yeah. Yeah. We have changed our mindset. Like we've done things where we've dropped all of the lighting and made it more of a Studio 54 nightclub style event. Like we did something that changed the atmosphere, whether okay. it was turning off all of the up lights and adding black light, or if we like this after party type setting is a matter of ambiance. So I've seen it successful, but it has to be on multiple levels in decor, in music selection, in style of entertainment, that kind of thing. So I, and, and I'm cautious on it because the, the host family has to say goodbye to everyone. Yep. Everyone's interrupting guys. We had so much fun. We love you. Hugs and kisses. They're, you know, saying goodbye. You know, there's, a huge distraction and this is why i'm saying it's kind of tied into this food to go station you know really the topic here is you know how to properly end the party but um if there's all these distractions and then expect and you used the word valley before so you know you're hitting this valley um because of everyone saying goodbye and the, the host feels responsible to make sure that all the kids get on the bus and they didn't leave their belongings behind now all of a sudden we've got to re-spark this energy um, after you just said goodbye for 20 minutes. It's a tricky one, especially when you take maybe a third of the audience and you ship them out. So I saw something and I'm trying to find the exact post, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, you want to say bye, but let the people saying bye come to you. I think the families that know that they are really big dancers are going to be on the dance floor. And that's where your goodbye should be happening at that, in that case. Um, it was, I forget exactly the verbiage on what I saw and I forget where I saw it, but it was something along the lines of enjoy your night. Let your guests come to you in some way. Like it's not a receiving line. You don't have to stand at the door and say bye as they leave as you would in like a, a house dinner party. Um, but I think the most successful after hours style party where, they're, where the kids are picked up at 11 and the party goes till 1130 or 11.45, I think the most successful is when the family knows full well that that is coming. And they are party animals and they allotted that mindset. They knew that that was going to happen. So it, there's, again, there's no right answer. I mean, it's just a, a conversation about what's right for you, which I guess the number one tip and trick is don't try to duplicate someone else's event know your family and know what's going to work for you and what's going to and what's going to be right for your family and just because someone else had it doesn't mean that you have to do it as well if you know a a, a really big to-go station isn't your style then you don't necessarily need it i think it just right. comes down to knowing your family right 
Uh, all right. Uh, what else do you have on your list? Uh, sort of on the candy bowl idea, the centerpieces. Okay. Um, I think that centerpieces need to get, be given a lot of thought. Um, it, some of our events, like especially sport-themed events, have ball items like baseballs, basketballs, football type of pieces in the centerpieces, whether it be like a big vase with blue Orbeez in it and then a basketball on top. If that basketball is able to be moved, a kid is going to try to grab it. Right. So I think that we need to be cautious about what you are doing with your centerpieces. If you're going to be using balls like basketballs, footballs, baseballs, whatever it is, they should be secured, fastened, and deflated. You can get a round shape and still be deflated. Right. So that way they're not functional except for deco uh, decorations. Otherwise, you have kids looking to destroy a centerpiece to get the ball. Like, that's just a matter of fact. Um, on the flip side, things like, uh, you know, balloons. The kids are going to grab balloons. Like, they're going to want to do it. They're going to want to suck the helium out. And then all of a sudden, you spend a lot of money on centerpieces and they're being destroyed. Now, it's our job to keep the crowd control, but we do it for a masses. We do it for the general populace. So when you have one or two kids going around to try to destroy centerpieces, it's really hard for us to police that unless we have, you know, a hundred staff. Right. So I think you need to be mindful when planning your centerpieces that theming is great, but functionality of the centerpiece should be only decor. And some families have said, yeah, I bought a basketball and I planned on returning it when I was done. So I was able to save, you know, the a <laughs> hundred bucks on basketballs that I did for 12 tables. And I said, and, the, and then they instantly regretted it because their basketballs were all gone at the end and people were trying to dribble them on the floor and it was a mess. Yeah. So keep in mind that your centerpieces, you know, interestingly enough, they're going to get messed with. Be mindful of it. So that means maybe doing something different for the kids' centerpieces versus the adults. You know, maybe you use your basketball theming on the adult tables and do something different with the kids. I just think that the centerpieces need to be given a lot more thought knowing that if there's something like a basketball or something like Orbeez or something along those lines, right. uh, you know, kids are going to want to throw it. What is an Orby, by the way? You've said it a couple of times. An Orby is the uh, little like uh, aqua infused ball. So you can buy them in packs. They're like uh, packs of, ball yeah. So you, you buy them in packs of 500 and you put them in water and yeah. then they like absorb 10 times their size. It's really popular for um, families who are looking for a quick uh, way to a quick and inexpensive way to do decor. You buy a big vase from Michael's and you throw the Orbeez in there and then you yeah. fill them up with water and, and you call it a day. Um, I've seen it on a lot of like uh, budget conscious events. Thanks for filling me in here. Um, I, I have two last items that I want to touch on a little bit quickly. Um, number three is, is actually right along with what we're saying. Also, it's just um, some people regret, or wish they did differently, you know, the amount of money they spend on the little things. So, you know, the things that just aren't noticed, you know, you spend so much money on, um, I, you know, I don't want to put down, you know, certain industries, but like, you know, maybe people wish they spent less on decor or maybe they, you know, wish that they didn't wrap the dance floor or, you know, basically the people that make themselves house poor, over planning a party. I, that, that's probably where I should go. You know, spend your money where it's important. 
know, I do believe video is important. I do believe photos important. I believe theming and decor is important, but spend it in the right places, you know, decide which elements are vital, you know, or are important to you. Um, I mean, that it goes for anything in this world, but, you know, spend your money wisely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw something somewhere where it was like, if I could redo my wedding again, or if I can redo my uh, event again, or my bar mitzvah again, or my bat mitzvah again, I would spend more money on entertainment and food and less money on decor. Right. And, and I'm and, not putting down the decor industry because I spent, you know, uh, five mortgage payments on flowers for my wedding. So like, right. right. And we all do it. Take. We, we all do it. And, and it shouldn't be a regret, but it should be, you know, know, know what's reasonable for you. Know what's reasonable for you. And, and, and maybe the same topic should almost be how you budget your time. Like so many people that DIY it because they want to save the money end up regretting the fact that they spent umpteen hours building right. I mean, right. Um, yep. I hear that a lot with montages. I, I hear it all the time on, on families who are trying to do their own montage and they spent a hundred hours on when realistically it probably should have only taken maybe three. Right. Right. So um, I think that, Oh, you have one more on here, which is a good, which is a good one. Um, yeah, it, it goes just in line with the venue. It, you know, if you book the wrong venue or venue with tough logistics, all I wrote here for my very last topic was too big of a dance floor, or too big of a space. That's a regret. And, um, uh, Jessica Schwartz at I play America hit home with this when she was, I think our like third podcast we ever recorded. We were at, um, at iPlay and that's where her party was. And, you know, we interviewed her as a past client and Jess, what did you like about your party and what would you have done different? And she said, you know, my dance floor was too big. She's like, I, I always thought you need a huge dance floor. And even with such a big audience that she had, I want to say she had like 250 guests, just the dance floor was so big that she says now looking back at her photos and video, it doesn't look as energetic as it felt the night of. Sure. So let me give you uh, a metric that was given to me when I sold um, production for Bobby Morgenstein. Bobby has these dance floors. He's got, you know, a white vinyl, a black vinyl. He's got an LED dance floor. He's got uh, a starlit dance floor. And when I, I used to go to venues all the time and, the, and they would say, you know, how big is the dance floor that you're bringing? And I would always say, well, it's custom fit for the room and the guest count. And the metric that I always went with was given to me by Bobby. He said, if you are going to have 150, 185 people, a 20 by 20 dance floor will feel tight and compact without feeling like you have no room. So the energy will be on the dance floor, but you won't be stepping on each other's toes. 20 by 20 for 150 guests? That's, that's what he was saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A 20 by 20. He said that nightclubs, when he was learning this, nightclubs allot a three foot by three foot box on the dance floor per person. Right. Which you and I both know in the nightclub industry, like they're going to pack more than that. But when they design the nightclubs, that's what they're going off of. Right, right. A three foot by three foot box. That's not a lot of room. That's enough to do the Will Smith two step. And that's about it. <laughs> um, but it's a good metric. It's a good idea to think about. Yeah. Um, All right. So I think I just want to recap for those who have kind of lost uh, the translation of what we had going on here. 
this was, you know, the, the biggest mistakes that families have come back to us and said, this is what we're mistaken on when planning this. And I'll rattle them off real fast in no particular order so that we can wrap this thing up uh, strong. Um, consider what you're doing for centerpieces. Make sure that it's uh, not something that can be torn apart easily. Uh, understand that open candy is not a good idea unless it's in a candy bar that has been totally 100% controlled by, uh, you know, someone. Um, know the length of the party and know what's right uh, for you and your family. Sometimes five hours is too long, especially based on food service. Um, knowing full well what your food service is going to look like, you know, allotting time between courses is always a benefit. Um, your dessert and go stations should be separate. All right, if you're going to do a go station of things like candy bar or cake to go, it should be the absolute last, last touch point, allowing your guests to have that one bit of sweetness as they leave. Um, understand about your venue's logistics. Do you need to custom order certain things, especially with those specialty venues? Like, do I need coat hangers for play, or, uh, coat hangers and coat racks for places that don't have it? That type of thing. Um, spending too much money on the little things or spending too much time on the little things you know, pick and choose the battles and let professionals handle the rest. Uh, know your dance floor space, too big or too small. Um, that really comes down to your guest count and your style. Um, not having videography or having it, uh, we always think that it's a good idea to have videography. It really captures the charisma of the event, the energy, the enthusiasm, the emotion. Um, and did I get it all? I think you did. I, I mean, wow. we, added, we added like 14 bonus tips as we were going along. but uh, Yeah, I think I got them all. I think you hit it all. So uh, Rapid yeah. fire. That, that was rapid fire. I wonder if anybody's taking notes. <laughs> they, can re, they can re-listen to my voice and get mad at me for me yelling at them in, from the <laughs> microphone. Um, uh, Dylan, dude, it's always a pleasure having you on the podcast. You and I don't get to spend as much time together as we'd like, but we're always talking. And this time yeah, my, my, my wife calls you my work husband. Um, yeah. I, I definitely call you more than I, that I, that I talk to her, <laughs> but yeah, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it's definitely a good time. I think this is an awesome topic. Uh, I hope we do more of these list style podcasts. I think they're very valuable. So, uh, if you have any things that you want to know, like top five mistakes for grand entrances or top five things to incorporate in your grand entrance, let's do it. Uh, you know, we can really start micro fitting all of the, uh, uh, the aspects of the events in these list forms. I think that really benefits us. Awesome. Well, let's wrap this one up. This is episode 50-5-0. Boom. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll uh, check you next week.